0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to Free Agency Day number four. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at play like a jet one. And I am joined, as always, by the owner, the editor, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com, and of course. Above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, what's going on, man?
1: Ah, uh, you know, just uh trying to sort through a lot of contract madness right now and figure out what numbers are right and what's funny money and all that. So things calmed down a little bit on the acquisition front. I was able to get a little bit of sleep last night, a little more clear-headed today.
0: Yeah, and that's where we'll start because the numbers on Le'Veon Bell came out, and I'm going to let you dissect them. A lot of people talking about this, how Le'Veon Bell lost because he got a lot less money than he would have with the Steelers. And I'm going to reiterate what I said yesterday. Le'Veon Bell probably ended up losing out on a significant amount of money. No question about it. But as we talked about yesterday, the Steelers guarantee wasn't a full guarantee. Only $17 million was guaranteed. $16 million more was rolling guarantees. And so if something really bad had happened to him after the first year, then he would have missed out on the rest of the guarantees. We're talking about like an Alex Smith, Joe Theismann type of injury. Odds are that probably wouldn't have happened, and it's very likely he would have seen the $33 million, and the rest of the contract from the Steelers was more lucrative. But he decided that he would prefer to get that money fully guaranteed, and so he held out and decided that he was going to test the market. Now, he clearly misread the market, thought that he was going to get a lot more than he did, and had to sell for less. So yes, he did lose in one sense, but the way that it worked out for him is that he got that guaranteed money fully that he had wanted so you can look at this any way you want I don't really understand the people that are dunking on him I get it if you're a Steelers fan and you're like ha 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 you should have taken the money here but if you're anybody else I'm not really sure what the objective is on dunking on him maybe if you're a fan of another team in the AFC East and you just want to rag on the Jets fine I understand that but other than that look it's a win for the Jets no question Bell got what he wanted guaranteed money wise, even if the total value of the contract is going to end up being significantly lower. It's fine. Le'Veon Bell got a year off from football. He got to rest his body. He's still going to be a multimillionaire. The Jets got themselves a superstar player at a much cheaper price than they anticipated. And I'm going to let you go through the contract numbers, Chris. Bell, I guess you could say lost here, but if that's the way you're going to lose, it's not the worst way to lose with $35 million guaranteed. The Jets won. The Steelers, I think, still lost because they have no Antonio Brown and no Le'Veon Bell, and all they have for it is a third and a fifth round pick. So that's pretty much where we sit with that. Chris, go ahead and take us through the specific numbers, and I know you have a different vantage point as well.
1: All right. So the details of uh, Bell's contract right now is twenty five million total guaranteed, eight million signing bonus. With um, you know, I'm not going to get into the base salary stuff, um, and then he's got. Uh, Year-to-year salary, he's getting eight point five million against the cap this year, thirteen five next year, fifteen five in two thousand twenty-one, and seventeen in two thousand twenty-two. So basically, this is a two-three year deal. The Jets can move on from. Same as McCagnin's, uh structures, pretty much every contract, which you know is one thing that everybody agrees McCagnan does really well. Of course, this is also kind of just the norm for how uh NFL structures contracts nowadays. And and you're right. Le'Veon Bell lost some money here. The thing I kind of object to, there's two things here is number one, the the gleefulness that people are going on and like celebrating this is just super weird to me. Um and then also the way that you can look at the way uh the reporters are framing this and I'm not going to go on a huge rant again, but uh the way they frame it and report it is they just report like only the positive parts of the Steelers ones without any of the talk about the rolling guarantees and the things that could negatively work against uh, Bell. And they're pointing out all the possible negative flaws that, and how it could affect Bell with the Jets. So it's just disingenuous and it just, just stay out of other people's pockets. That's that's I mean, that's how I was raised. I thought most people were. But I guess it, things are different with uh, superstar athletes. And people do like to uh, take joy out of seeing them make a couple million dollars less. I don't I don't understand it. But the big news for Jets fans here, this is a great deal for them. You know, if he comes and he plays really well, maybe they can restructure from there. Or they can just roll with it from there. Uh, but right now, they got him in at a very good workable number for them. They got an awesome player who can help their team, who will help Sam Donald immensely in so many different ways in every phase of the game. And this is just an absolutely great deal for them. And yeah, you're right. And everybody else is right. Le'Veon, you know, probably lost this, this gamble that he made like life's a gamble as he says on his album
0: <laughs> uh and,
1: and he and he took a little bit of a loss on this gamble but he's gonna do pretty fine so the this uh, the gleeful celebration is a bit much to me
2: while sports can bring us so much joy it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate relax and get decent sleep sunday scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners bo schmidt and mike sill They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted.
0: Yeah, he absolutely lost the gamble in terms of total value, unless, of course, he has some sort of monster injury, in which case, then he's going to say, boy, thank God I did that. But that was what it was. Like you said yesterday, the peace of mind. He wanted to know that that money was fully guaranteed. He walked away with $35 million in full guarantees. So he got what he wanted, even if he lost over the course of the long haul of the contract. But for the Jets... The great news is they got lucky because the market wasn't what people were expecting, especially what Le'Veon Bell and his agent were expecting. And so they get Le'Veon Bell at a very reasonable price, and he is a huge difference maker in this offense now and on the team in general. Because, Chris, what I told you before we came on the phone, I think is absolutely true. For whatever anybody wanted to tell themselves before this signing, the offseason really hinged on whether or not the Jets were able to land Le'Veon Bell because he was the only guy that the Jets were going to be able to get without surrendering major draft capital who was in his prime and a huge weapon on offense that could coincide perfectly with Sam Darnold's rookie contract. He makes a difference in all three areas, blocking, running, receiving. He can do it all, and he was the only elite skill player that they were going to have a crack at because if you look at the draft sure it's possible that some of the guys that are offensive skill players could become elite players down the line but there's nobody in this draft that you immediately look at and see a Le'Veon bell type or somebody like antonio brown first team all pros guys that are going to be the cream of the crop for many years again Antonio Brown was a late round pick So these things tend to happen but you can't Just bank on somebody that you're Not projecting to be that good Being that good it could happen But especially with the Jets they don't have a History of making picks like that and certainly Mike McKagan doesn't so he was an Absolute must and they got him And it was huge and now they can head into the draft And take a little bit of a sigh of relief they still have a Lot of needs to fill and we're gonna get into That now Chris because one of Those needs is cornerback it's a Little less than it was a couple of days Ago because, as we talked about on Tuesday, Daryl Roberts is coming back. he got a three year eighteen million dollar deal. This seems like a lot of money for a player who I think is probably a below-average cornerback. He's fine as maybe your third, probably your fourth corner. He's not the worst player in the world. He's not somebody I want starting in an ideal situation, but I think what happened here, Chris, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, they were comfortable with him, and they knew they were going to have a hard time adding a starter on the outside in free agency, and they weren't 100% sure they were going to be able to do it in the draft, so they signed Roberts, with the thinking that he could start if they absolutely need him to, as you and I have talked about a lot, there are a ton of holes on this team they weren 't all going to be fixed in this off season that was just the reality of it, and anybody that didn 't understand that was lying to themselves and so, if they have to try and get by with Daryl Roberts as a starting corner for a year before they figure out a long term solution, they figure so be it we 'll do it if we have no choice. Is that pretty much what you think is going on here
1: yeah that 's exactly what 's going on here like obviously he 's not getting you know, Trumaine Johnson, top of the line cornerback uh, starter money, but he's getting paid more than somebody that you're you would be bringing in just strictly for a depth purpose. So they kind of met in the middle there, which is, kind, you know, is basically signals like, all right, if we need to, we will roll with you as the uh, number two corners. Starting corner, but you know they can still look to see if they can get somebody of value, or you know, depending on how the draft turns out, if they draft somebody, and then they can they still have Roberts at a number that they can work with and be comfortable with him being the depth guy. There, it's not so crazy that that you know that becomes absurd. So that seems to be the situation right now, especially with you know we talked yesterday they were interested in Pierre Desir, but he went back to the Colts. But that's really the only other name we've heard right now. And then, obviously, they still need to look in the slot, so I'm sure they'll add somebody there. But it doesn't appear they're going to be going after Ronald Darby or any of the top outside guys. So right now, they, they, have, they have to be feeling that they're comfortable with Daryl Roberts starting if it comes down to it. But, again, I... I do think that they will look to see if they can upgrade there. They're just not going to go spend a whole bunch of money to make sure that happens.
3: Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint
0: One Roberts stays, one Roberts goes. Andre Roberts, who had an all-pro season as a kick-and-punt returner for the Jets last year... He moves on. He goes to the Buffalo Bills. It appears that the Jets just didn't want to pay him his asking price, and you and I were talking about this off the air. I think it's just a situation where Roberts was always pretty solid, but last year was an outlier. He had an incredible season, and the Jets didn't want to give him a big contract, assuming that that was going to be the norm. They trust Brant Boyer to handle this, so whether it's Trenton Cannon doing kicks and Jamison Crowder doing punts or somebody else that they pluck off the waiver wire or low-level free agency or it's somebody that they grab in the draft late. I trust him to be able to find somebody that he likes to handle the role. Ideally, you would have liked to have kept Roberts. But Chris, I think you probably agree for the amount of money that he was looking for and eventually got from the Buffalo Bills. That's just not the type of overspend that I think it's worth it for the Jets to do.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we can roll this right into Jason Myers talk too. Uh, it's the same thing right now. And I tweeted this yesterday. The free agency, we know you have to overpay, but you're you're willing to overpay for difference makers, for players, uh, you know, the actual playmakers, but you can't be sitting here willing to overpay on players who had just one great outlier season. Myers and Andre Roberts were both really good la- for, for the Jets last year, uh, but they were, you look at the rest of their career, they were outlier seasons. But this is, uh, you know, the Ryan Fitzpatrick argument all over again. He had that great year with the Jets, but it was an outlier. You knew there was a regression coming, a regression to the means. And maybe it's possible both of them have another good year, but that regression is coming, and you don't ever want to pay get somebody on a good value, enjoy a good season, and then end up paying big money for the regression years. That doesn't make sense. So, and then just like you said, and you made this point when we were talking before we started recording, you know, when Westhoff was here, there was one guy after another came. You can run through the names. This was your point you were making, but it was just one after another, and then people flipped out when the one guy came, and then the next guy came in here. But, so... Listen, Andre Roberts had a great year. I get the concern, especially considering the special teams was the best part of the team last year. But you can you can afford to let those guys go to try to find somebody else. And uh, you know, obviously fans are going to panic a little bit hearing the idea of Trenton Cannon being thrown in there. But remember his those fumble issues were when it comes to punting. He he can handle kick returning. I'm not saying he's gonna be great or he's gonna be able to do du- duplicate what Andre Roberts did, but he can handle that worst case scenario. You have him and then Crowder doing the punts. That's fine. It's not gonna be that great, but it's perfectly fine. You can live with it. Um so from there and yeah, it just it doesn't make sense to pay for the outlier seasons. You're gonna end up paying for the regression seasons at the end of it.
0: Yeah, along the lines of what you were talking about, you go back to Chad Morton, and when he left the Jets to go sign with the Redskins, people were flipping out. How could you let him go? He was such a monster on special teams, returning kicks and punts. He goes, and then the next thing you know, they're able to get Justin Miller. And Justin Miller becomes a pro bowler. And then Justin Miller's gone, and oh, no, how could you let Justin Miller go? And then Leon Washington is here, and Leon Washington is great, and then Leon Washington is gone, and then it's Brad Smith. So if you have a good enough special teams coach, they know how to identify talent, and it's a role that unless you have a very special player, and I was talking to you off the air about this, Chris, but I was throwing out names that go back pretty far. But if you look at a guy like Mel Gray back in the old days, Dave Meggett, who did it for the Giants, Devin Hester, Dante Hall, guys like that, I could understand ponying up a few bucks. But when you're talking about Andre Roberts, who really for most of his career was a so-so kick and punt returner, he was perfectly capable but nothing special. It just doesn't make sense to pay him based on that one outlier year, which is the same case, as you said, with Jason Myers, who had a great year last year for the Jets, but now he goes on to Seattle, a four-year deal, getting a lot of money for a kicker. And look, going into the year, a lot of people were very nervous about Jason Myers because he had a very spotty history in Jacksonville so again you have to figure that there's a good chance of regression of the means certainly that's what the Jets believe Manish Mehta of the Daily News reporting that the Jets didn't really believe in Myers and think that he can replicate this I think that's a fair assumption and so they'll move on and get another kicker they can probably get another kicker who will produce reasonably closely to what Myers will in Seattle for a lot less money or they could even get somebody who's an undrafted free agent something along those lines that's how a lot of those guys end up being found I'm not really that upset about jason Myers going would have liked to have seen him stay but for the price that he got i certainly understand why they let him go to seattle on a four-year deal
1: yeah absolutely and again that's an, another outlier year you know i remember the panic at the idea of him uh, them rolling with him people were like how can you roll with this guy look at what he's done and this and that and the thing is kickers are kind of a volatile thing in the nfl and uh, Number one, over the last few years, it seems the overall uh, kicking accuracy has gone down. And uh, really, it's happened ever since they decided to move the extra point back. For some reason, like they, kickers have like kind of collectively uh, self-destructed mentally for some reason and struggled a little bit more. And then I, I had somebody tweet me yesterday about how the... The Patriots have only had two uh, kickers throughout their whole sup- this whole Super Bowl run. Like that's the reason why number one <laughs> and number two. Yeah, they had two of the best kickers ever. The two of the most accurate, consistent kickers in the history of the NFL. If we're talking about Adam Vinatieri or Stephen Gustkowski Gost- here, then I get the the outrage. You're not you're not going to let those guys go. It's an insult to both those guys to bring Jason compare them to Jason Myers though one good year is not either of those guys so that's a huge difference and again kickers struggle year to year except for the really good ones or the really bad ones there's a lot of volatility there so the chances of a regression are just absolutely huge here and again the giant jets as, as excited as fans are going to get over Le'Veon on bell they're also not going to be a super bowl team this next year so we can relax even if they struggled every play somebody get somebody who's near myers level they got some time to get that right and it's it's
3: or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This
0: is the Overtime Podcast Network. Yeah, I like Jason Myers, but comparing him in any way... To the two guys that you mentioned, Stephen Gostowski and Adam Vinatieri, is like if some safety who'd been a journeyman for five or six years comes in and has a really good year, and you're like, well, Ronnie Lott was with the 49ers for a decade. That's how you have stability. Okay, great, but this guy's not Ronnie Lott just because he had one good year. That's the misunderstanding there. So I totally understand the Jets parting ways with both of those guys. But one guy they brought back who I like because he's a reliable player, and they got him on a cheap deal. One year, $2.5 million for Steve McClendon, who comes back on the defensive line the beauty of him is he could start he could just be depth it really depends a lot of people were speculating that this meant that the Jets weren't going to go with Quentin Williams in the draft I think that's obviously ridiculous Steve McClendon at one year 2.5 million dollars is absolutely not going to keep the Jets from drafting Quentin Williams if they really want to draft him worst case scenario McClendon becomes a rotational player at that price it's not really that big of a deal if he is but either way he's a reliable player and I'm glad to see him back
1: yeah, listen. We're not talking about the, the the Jets didn't go out and get Grady Jarrett. The, they they do that, then yeah, that takes them out of the Quinn and Williams sweepstakes. Uh, uh, Steve McClendon's an older player, one year deal, two point five million. Uh, it, that's kind of a it, worst case scenario. He could be a uh, the defensive line equivalent of Josh McCown. Uh, like he's <laughs> such a great locker room guy. The players love him. The coaches love him. He's such a great guy to be around. If at worst case scenario, you just paid him $2.5 million to be around, which isn't what they're doing. I'm not saying that. But if worst case scenario, you could do worse with that $2.5 million. And then that would give Quinton Williams an awesome, great guy to learn from. He would teach him, take him under his wing. Or he could start, uh, McClendon could start until uh, Quinton Williams is ready. But best case scenario, regardless, is Steve McClendon is part of a rotation there. But he could start definitely start um and he's still a really good player. It'll probably be more of a some type of rotation there, regardless of what they do, if they go with Quentin Williams or whatnot. But um he's he's just somebody that the the organization loves, the players love, the media loves him too. We all love him. And he's a great quote, even though most of the time he's not really saying anything. He has a a, a way with words that's very entertaining. But he's, he's a hell of a football player still. He's a great motivator. And uh, bringing him back for one year, 2.5, is a no-brainer.
0: Yeah, absolute no-brainer. Just like the no-brainer of releasing Isaiah Crowell, who was yep. disappointing with the Jets last year, despite that one monster game where he went for over 200 yards. He really wasn't what they were hoping he would be. And so they went out and got Le'Veon Bell, and he became expendable, and you get rid of him. You clear up a couple million dollars on the cap, Really not much else to say. I guess they're ready to roll with Elijah McGuire and Trenton Cannon as the second and third running backs behind Bell.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And th- this is important to remember because Bell is, a, by every sense of the definition, a true three-down back. You're not bringing Le'Veon Bell off the field on third downs. In fact, you definitely want to make sure he's there on third downs so he can be the pass protector, he can be there to, for check downs, and then obviously you want him running the ball in first and second. So this is, he is going to be the lead back and Trent Cannon, Elijah McGuire can come in and spell him here and there, but he is a true three down back there. There's no need to like, you know, try to get somebody else to split and carry the load. He's going to get enough touches and Elijah McGuire this, this is the thing. We've, we've laughed about this all season and about how fans tend to overrate their own players and uh, Elijah McGuire and Trenton Cannon are perfectly, perfectly good and capable for what they are. But if you've got to ask more of them, then it'll be a problem. With Le'Veon Bell here, they're perfectly fine and good to be their his backups.
0: Perfect backups for Bell indeed. And they would have been pretty good backups or complementary pieces to the other two running backs that the Jets possibly could have pursued If they hadn't landed Le'Veon Bell, Tevin Coleman and Mark Ingram, both of those guys are signed now for similar money, both at about $5 million a year. Tevin Coleman goes to San Francisco, who was the team that was the runner-up in the Le'Veon Bell sweepstakes, and Mark Ingram goes to the Ravens. That was something that we had expected because there were talks even as recent as two days ago that the Ravens were in heavy on Mark Ingram. So let's talk about this, Chris. The Jets could have gotten both of those guys for less money than Le'Veon Bell. That's what Ross Tucker was all excited about this morning. Actually tweeted out after he said that, yeah, and you could get two meals at McDonald's for less than a steak at Peter Luger's. That's insane value.
1: Yeah, I was joking with you that I I was going to go with the analogy of uh, I could buy a thousand pairs of socks and still instead of buying a new TV, but then how am I going to watch Game of Thrones? Uh, my Mine was a little more absurd than yours, but that's kind of what I was going for. That's just a ridiculous thing to, to say. Yeah, they could have gotten two far inferior players for less money than the one awesome, one of the best Hall of Fame caliber running backs ever. Like th- That's a ridiculous thing to say, especially... Considering all the money that the Jets have, they still got like 40 million in cap space. There's no need to penny pinch here, and then to go after two inferior players like that, especially with uh Sam Darnold going into second season. All we don't need to go through all the benefits of Le'Veon Bell again. That's just a ridiculous take,
0: Chris. You and I both said this, and I talked to Joe Blewett about this as well. Tevin Coleman is a receiving back who's not that good of a runner. Mark Ingram is a running back who's not that good of a receiver. Neither one of their strengths is anywhere near as good as Le'Veon Bell. So Le'Veon Bell is a better receiver than Coleman, even though receiving is Coleman's strength. And Le'Veon Bell is a better running back than Mark Ingram, even though running is Mark Ingram's strength. So Le'Veon Bell is worth a lot more than those two guys combined. And Ross Tucker is just trying to stir up trouble, I guess. But it just made me laugh when I saw it this morning. Just an absolutely ridiculous notion that this is somehow proof that the Jets made a mistake and got bad value. Because they could have gotten two worse running backs for less money. But Chris, I guess you could argue that if they had saved a few extra bucks, they might have had some more money for another edge rusher. Perhaps Justin Houston. Everybody's screaming about him. He's still out there on the market. Any word about whether or not the Jets could be interested?
1: You know, I I keep checking on this, and I keep being told not right now, which is what I keep hearing. And I don't really—that's—that's that's, I press to be like a little more, please. The, what what did, you added the right now, so maybe there is some interest. And I'm, I'm not really getting the, uh, the clarity I want when I push on that. So it's just—but the, here's the other thing: I'm not hearing Justin Houston's name connected to anybody else either and that's this is head scratching to me i don't understand it he um, all the available pass rushers on the free agent market he's the one if if you're just going after the best one for next year i mean uh, taking uh d ford out of the equation because he had to trade for him uh he's the guy and Justin Houston's a better all-around player. He's still really good against the run. I know, obviously, he's older. But again, we could go back to the way that NFL contracts are structured nowadays. You're going to sign him to an essentially two- or three-year deal at most. And he's still got another two good years left of him of producing at what he did last year. At least I believe that. It appears maybe some NFL teams are a little uh, more doubtful of that than I am but it doesn't make sense to me that he, that we're not hearing him connected to more teams at all. Like I'm not hearing him connected to anybody yet. And it doesn't really make sense to me. This is the overtime podcast
0: network. Brian Poole, the slot corner from the Atlanta Falcons, who to me sounds a lot like a 27 year old version of buster screen scheduled to visit the jets. What do you know about this?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I will admit, I didn't know much about the player. Uh, we were talking about this before a bunch of Jet fans I follow were hitting up uh, Charles McDonald asking him because of his, you know, Atlanta Falcons fandom. And he hit back and his description basically sounded like a buster screen without the concussion uh, concerns. Uh, you know, iffy in man coverage, uh, an excellent blitzer, though, good tackler. But, uh, you know, would be fill in the slot guy you could obviously do better Bryce Callahan would be somebody uh you know you would definitely prefer over him obviously would cost more money uh but you know he he left the Jets and went to uh go make another visit so it doesn't sound like they're pressing to get him there uh you know it sounds like he could be an adequate person to fill in there but you you're hoping for something better
0: Ziggy Ansah, the pass rusher from the Detroit Lions, visiting Buffalo and New Orleans. I have a hunch he may end up having to take a one-year prove-it deal because he's coming off an injury. Is this a guy that the Jets should be looking at if they could get him on a one-year deal? No, I don't
1: think so. I, the thing is, any team, I think the move for Ansah would be to sign a one-year a deal there. The move for any team signing him to sign a new one-year deal, you want to look at a team that maybe has a chance to compete this year. Because if you sign him and he does have a good year and proves it, then you're going to get a kind of, uh, you know, sold on the idea of giving him more money. And then you're going to end up paying him and then that injury is going to come the year later. So, uh, sure, if he stayed healthy, he could probably help the Jets this year. but. Not enough to make them a Super Bowl team, and then uh, you get r- run the risk of getting suckered into going on a long-term deal from there on out. Uh, and again, just the injury concerns, the, the player that he is, uh, it just doesn't make sense to me. And again, just, just Houston's out there. Just go after him. You got the money. You got the space. Go get him.
0: Chris some quick hits from around the league I'll go through them and then I'll throw it to you to give Your reactions to these guys we talked About Pierre Desir being a target of the Jets He stays with the Colts it's funny because Yesterday we said if he's so good how come the Colts aren't making a big effort to bring him back And then of course they went ahead and brought Him back linebacker KJ Wright Stays in Seattle Earl Thomas there was All kinds of talk that the former all pro Safety for the Seattle Seahawks was Going to go to the Cleveland Browns to replace Jabril Peppers instead he Goes to the Ravens and that is going to be one hell of a secondary now Big money for him there and the Ravens are Loading up in that defensive secondary Blake Bortles officially gone from the Jaguars there were whispers for a while that There could be a scenario in which The Jaguars would trade Bortles to Someone else to absorb his cap Hit and that team would get a draft pick In return might have been an interesting scenario For the Jets it doesn't happen instead He's out the door and they move on With Nick Foles no big surprise there Dante Moncrief a guy that the Jets Had been eyeing according to Manish Medes- Of the Daily News He ends up signing a two year deal in Pittsburgh To replace Antonio Brown Boy you want to talk about downgrading there Teddy Bridgewater May end up Anthony Barring the New Orleans Saints Yes I've turned Anthony Barr's name Into a (laughs) verb It looks like he may be visiting the Miami Dolphins and may have a change of heart and want to go play as a starter. If you listened to the show earlier in the week, you heard me say that I thought Teddy B was making a mistake because he hasn't played in several years and he's not super young. He's going to turn 28 and so the opportunity to start is something that he should seize on right now because if he goes down there and plays well for a year, he could get a pretty good contract from somewhere else. It's not like he's Tyrod Taylor where people already know that he's nothing more than a high end backup or a bridge starter. Teddy be if he can show he's healthy could actually be a long term starter somewhere so I think it would be a good move if he Anthony Bars the New Orleans Saints and ends up going to the Miami Dolphins there was talk that Adam Humphreys might pull an Anthony Barr but it looks like he's not going to whispers during the day yesterday that he might end up going to New England because they sweetened the pot and tried to lure him but he is going to stick with the Tennessee Titans Deshaun Jackson officially back in Philly he goes with a seventh round pick in exchange for a sixth rounder i guess deshaun jackson just really wanted to get the heck out of tampa and now that chip kelly is out of philly he doesn't mind going back there tyrell williams of all the wide receivers that were free agents this offseason he's the one that so far ends up getting the biggest contract four years 44 million with 22 million dollars guaranteed to go to the raiders so him and antonio brown could be an interesting combination there eric berry and we talked about this off the air chris obviously you can't plan on getting sick the way that he did but he's another example of why you want your guaranteed money the way Le'Veon bell did unfortunately his tenure in kansas city comes to an end it's really sad because at one point he was one of the best players in the league got really sick he had cancer and there's nothing sadder than seeing something like that i hope that he's okay and i hope that he finds a new home and is able to play really well somewhere else but his tenure with the kansas city chiefs is over Daryl Williams stays in Carolina on a one-year prove-it deal to play offensive tackle. That'll be an interesting spot because now it's him and Matt Paradis who are both kind of injury concerns. Both of them on basically one-year deals. Paradis got a three-year deal, but it's really one year with two voidable years. So that's something to watch out for with Carolina. Two low-risk, high-reward signings. Two guys that if everything goes right could be very, very good for that offensive line. So we'll see how that impacts Cameron Newton. You also have Jason McCourty, the safety re-signing to stay with his brother in New England on a two-year deal. And finally, talk that Emmanuel Agba. now that the Browns have brought in Olivier Vernon, could be on the trade block. Some people even suggesting that perhaps the Jets should call the Browns and offer a swap for Darren Lee since Darren Lee is from Ohio. I would be all for that deal. That would be kind of one of those, the Jets don't really have anything for Darren Lee, the Browns don't really have anything for Emmanuel Agba. Why not swap them and see if you can get the best out of them somewhere else? Could be an intriguing scenario for both teams. So that's what's going on around the league. Chris, what do you have to say about all of that?
1: I'll start with the Ogba thing. Uh, obviously, that it makes perfect sense for the Jets to want to add him. The problem here is uh, uh, how good he is and how, how much value his contract is right now. I forget what the number is, but I think it's only like $2 million or two point five, something like that. And so that, it's going to be tough to get him. The the Browns are going to want, you know, probably like a second round pick or something like that for him. Um, I can't imagine that they'd be willing to take Darren Lee. We've gone over this before in a couple of days about how, uh, you know, I doubt that teams around the league view him to as that high of a value. Um, and then there's also, you know, people want to make the Ohio connection. That doesn't that sometimes teams don't want to bring guys in that have a local connection. Uh, sometimes that that plays against it. It's, it all depends on the personality of the players. So that might not be a, a good thing or a positive spin for it. It might though. Who knows? Um, and then we go to Teddy Bridgewater. It's interesting. I know the Saints are still going after him. They're still they're still interested. They still want him back. And it makes sense, especially because of what they're doing they continue to do with drew Brees' contract they just restructured his contract again which they've been doing this kick the can down the road with thing with him forever and now he's, he's scheduled to count 21.3 million dollars on the cap next year for the saints whether he's on the team or not so uh if they have to need a quarterback next year then they they're hoping to get Bridgewater, I don't know what's going on there. The the Saints are crazy with the way they keep restructuring Breeze's contract, but they're still competing, so it's good for them. But it's still got to be a struggle for Teddy Bridgewater to wonder: should I go to a team that might be kind of tanking and try to start for them, or should I just wait here with the Saints organization that I trust to be good and wait for Breeze to retire? Uh, you know, the Blake Bortles release. Obviously, everyone knew that was coming. It just seems to me that. He should go to Buffalo. Uh, Josh Allen, uh, he, he's Josh Allen 1.0. The same player, Josh Allen is, uh, more athletic and obviously has a cannon, but both are incredibly inaccurate. So go ahead let, let him be back up there. Um, doesn't make sense with me, uh, to, you know, talk about him really anywhere else. He's, he probably doesn't really even belong doing that. So there's a lot of moves going around there. Uh, you know, uh, but you know, this this is the part of free agency where where people start paying a little less attention because there's not the bigger names are off the board, and uh, you know it's not quite as exciting.
0: Chris, any other rumors or whispers? Anything else you're hearing that we may have missed?
1: You know, I I'm just seeing right now Jason Verrett's going to visit the Forty Um, You know, there's so there's still a couple plays like he's a player who has a lot of talent, and if we're just talking talent, he would be a perfect fit for the Jets, but he's had so many injury issues over the last couple of years. It's hard to trust him to stay healthy, and the 49ers seem to be willing to to pay, overpay some players that are a little bit of gambles, too, so you could see him going there. But, uh, you know, there, there's not much right now. It's slowing down a little bit. But, you know, the Jets are, aren't are done. They're, they're definitely going to continue adding pieces here and there. Uh, they're definitely not done. But they're going to be a little, you know, less. Unless they go with Justin Houston, uh, they're going to be a, a little bit lesser names there. Nobody you're going to get as super excited about. But, again, they obviously need a, a center. We are, We didn't talk about Josh Sitton there uh what could happen there? Obviously, his connection with Gase, they they could bring him in, and then would they be bringing him in to be a depth guard or maybe play him at center? Because, again, we've talked about this thing. Jonathan Harrison cannot be the starting center. I mean, he can be, but that's not a, that's not a good thing. Uh, you could bring in sit and maybe have him compete for the center job and then look to draft or wait and maybe get a camp cut there but that that seems to be mostly what the the news is focused around right now
0: I like that idea with Sitton, not because I love Sitton as a center. It's just that I look at the other options, and I'd rather just take a swing at having Sitton play some center if Gase and Pollock feel like it could be a doable option, because that way you bring him in, and at least you know that you have somebody that can hold down the fort if you need him to. Then you go into the draft, hoping to draft a center to compete for the job, and like you said, when camp cuts happen, you could possibly add somebody that way, but at least Sitton gives you an option, and I think... That that would be a wise move and something that's an underrated quality about Josh Sitton that people aren't really talking about. He actually likes playing for Adam Gase. So with that being the case, he should be an interesting guy to add because if you think about it, It's a no-lose either way for the Jets because if you bring him in here and you play him at center, you're getting something there. And if you get a center in the draft or a camp cut, then he becomes guard at depth, which they need anyway. So there's really no losing in bringing Josh Sitton in. So we'll see if they end up doing it. We'll see what other moves they make because they do, of course, have $40 million in cap space left to spend. Chris, thanks so much for coming on. We will continue to cover free agency wall-to-wall each and every day here at Turn on the Jets Digital. In the meantime, Make sure that you interact with Chris on social media while he's still on there because you know he's a very big deal, so sometimes he's on sometimes he's not but Chris, when you are on social media, how can people get a hold of you, and how can they read your very big deal work?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at cnimbly and at jetsinsider, and you can check out JetsInsider.com. dot com i'm still a little slow on pumping out articles right now I'm still working on a lot of the business business side of things and getting this llc set up and all that stuff but i got a bunch of good things coming down the pipe i'm going to go through a whole bunch of reasons of you know what makes Le'Veon bell so special and a bunch of stuff right there so i just got to finish some of this business stuff ironed out and then i'll get that stuff pumping out shortly but like you said i'll be on twitter for the most part you can find me there at scene
0: Make sure you're following Chris on Twitter and interact with him there. Check out jetsinsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn On The Jets Digital and Turn On The